Broadcasting from Oklahoma, the tornado capital of the world, home of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the University of Oklahoma Sooners. This is the Curated Experience Show, a weekly podcast about the customer experience with viewpoints you will not hear anywhere else. And now your host, author, and customer experience expert, Amos Tanuma. Welcome to the Curated Experience. I am your host, Amos Tanuma. And I've got... Bob Fern is back with us, our regular guest and contributor. Uh, Bob, are you are you still on? I am. Man. Good morning, Amos. How are you today? Glad to be here. And hello, everybody. <laughs> good, good morning, Bob. Um, you know, I, I'm excited. I um, we've we sort of have an infrequent cadence of speaking every Friday morning, and I think the timing is is perfect because. What happens during the week is I, I I sort of make some notes and said you know these would be these would be fun things to ask Bob about or talk to Bob about and and, and get his perspectives. So um, where where I would like to go this morning, Bob, is we were having a conversation on the show. I think it was last episode. Um, and the last time you were on, you 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 talked a little bit about the the people side of this business, and and hinted that that's where your 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 heart is, and that's where you started. Which, you know, I hear you write and speak a lot about technology, also. So that might that might surprise some people, but it, it occurred to me that, um, you know, that that's not really a surprise. I think back to. Maybe not that long ago, two thousand and six ish. Um, I I worked for um, Coca Cola at the time, and they had just hired me to that built this new site and, and all of that. And I had this this whole deal, and I came to one of your sessions uh, at ICMI, and uh, I was reflecting on that, and it was all about it was all about that. It was all about. You know, you were saying something different back then. Uh, the things you were saying different was, you know, I attended a bunch of sessions. I remember that, that uh, I don't know which of the ICMI conferences it is, but I remember that one because I was in this place of, oh, crap, I just took this new gig. Like, you know what I mean? So that's when you tend yeah. to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I took a lot of... I took a lot of um, a lot of people, you know, sessions, and and you were saying something differently because everyone else I felt was focused on trying to um, help me hit my numbers, and I get to this guy, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know you as well as I do now, and I get to your this guy, and he doesn't say much about that, right? actually actually i'll tell you that you shouldn't even there's a certain number out there that you should never share with an agent as a leader so yeah like i just thought like this this guy is different because i just left the session all about hey you got to talk to them about talk time uh, that's it, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. You that's never the, that's talk the, to an agent about talk time. That's the, okay. Ever. That's the magic Ever. one? So we'll yeah, come back to that, and I'll tell you why. They said, they said listen, you got to just focus on call control and this, da 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 The after-call work piece, that one's easy because it's just the behavior. You just take the button away, right? Like, you just... So I am... I'm furiously, you know, just, you know, taking notes of all of this. And I, I did remember you, 
I distinctly remember that was about the time I started getting to know you. And, and over the years, we've collaborated together on a bunch of stuff. But anyway, um, where, where I wanted to talk about is I would love to hear your your perspectives around. I want to start really with the supervisor, the frontline supervisor, team leader, whatever um, folks call that. Um, first off, you know, how do you sort of think about their role? If you were if you were starting a contact center and doing all of that, like I put some context into the importance of that role and how you viewed that very, very specific role. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words and for saying that you remember something from a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I think as a speaker, there, there's nothing more rewarding than, or a, as a person, there's nothing more rewarding than someone mentioning something that you spoke about a couple of years ago or a story that you told that had an impact on them. It was, Probably. It, was 13, it was 13 years ago, by the way. So. Okay. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's really crazy. Um, Probably, probably um, you remembered some of this stuff because of the stories that I told, not because of uh, what was on the, the how-tos on the board. And, exactly. um, and I think that even is a, is a good way to manage as a supervisor. Uh, but, but when we're talking about supervisors in general, it, it is really a tough job. Um, <coughs> Excuse me, I'm dealing with some coal issues, so if I cough, I'll try to mute. If I don't make it, uh, it'll just be oh, on the cast. That's all good. Um, but, you know, it's one of the toughest jobs because it is it is managing 15 to 25. I, I've seen that many before uh, employees. And so if I, if I just do the math on a typical week and I've got – 15 employees reporting to me, uh, I've got about, if I just spent, what, 30 minutes with each employee, uh, it, it takes up a, a, a serious amount of my of, of my week and of my time. Right. And, and so one of the things that we've done is looked at the supervisor role and tried to understand what is it that we want them to be doing, and then how do we, as directors, how do we take away the things that that disallow them to focus on people because that's really where the focus should be as a supervisor how, how do i how do i coach uh how do i manage how do i uh lead this team of 15 to 25 people in a way that makes them sound different to uh to work differently and to be differently and um, you ever had one of those call centers where there is like one supervisor that everybody wants to be on their team? You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Somebody e will come to your everywhere. office and say, yeah. how do I get on Connie's team? And well, you're like, listen, well, Connie's team's full right now. Listen, I've had, I've had agents come to my office as a VP and say, look, I have the best stats in the building or what have you, so I get to pick my shift. Um, I'm going to sacrifice eight to five Monday to Friday to go on that team and go work, you know, um, you know, uh, a, a Tuesday through Saturday, uh, 10 to seven. <laughs> right. Like yeah, that's how yeah. that's how powerful that is. 
Yeah, and and the thing about that is, if you if you spend some time understanding who that person is, um, they they probably they probably are not the necessarily. In fact, I know they're not. They're not metric driven. They're people driven. And uh, you know, there's a saying that you work for you'll you'll work in a tough job for uh, uh, you, you'll stay in a tough job with a good manager or a good supervisor. And you'll leave. I'm sorry, I said that backwards. You'll stay in a tough job to to work for a good supervisor or leader, and and you'll leave a bad. You'll you'll leave a good job. Um, yeah, if, if if you've got bad leaders, if you've got bad leaders, and maybe we need to edit that entire section out there, buddy. <laughs> um, so it, it's early on a Friday morning. Um, but back to the the attributes of that supervisor that person cares about their 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 team that person is spending time not just with the people that are causing problems or not just with the uh the lower productivity people but they're spending time telling the good people that they're doing a good, good job they're they're spending time recognizing what's happening um in their group positively as well as negatively and they're they're leading as well as um, a, a, as well as managing, and that's the difference. So if you're a brand new supervisor and you're on the line today, my, one of the questions I'll ask you is what what are you reading? What are you reading um, to help you become a better leader? Are you reading John Maxwell? Mm. Are you reading like what is what is in your mindset? Um, mm. As a supervisor, because what you think is, I'm just here to make sure people do their job. Um, I, I'll give you an example. So we were working with a uh, a toll road organization, and um, so this was a situation where these people were working in the toll booths that were that we were trying to improve the service, the ex- experience, and um, we sat down with one of the one of the supervisors. And he said, I, I, I or the person with me, uh, a colleague, used the word. So when you're managing, he goes, hold on a second. I don't manage people. I supervise them. And I thought, well, that's sort of weird. What's the difference? And I didn't say anything. And we kept going. And in a minute, I said, so as you manage people, he goes, I, hold on a second. I told you I don't manage people. I supervise. Them. And I went, so what's the difference? Hmm. He goes, well, managers help people do the things they're supposed to do. Supervisors are like traffic cops. They're there to make sure that people, if they don't, that we we uh, let them know it and give them marks on their record. And I thought, <laughs> wow, what a what a negative perspective on life. But but you had to you had to know that that guy is not reading about leadership, right? Right. That guy is looking through life through the lens of. We have these standards that we live by as a company, and we must live to those standards. Or I am here to make sure that you that you get dinged um, if we don't live by those. So it, it's 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 about attitude as much as it is about anything else in that supervisor uh, supervisor story. Man, that's that that's that that's gold. I mean, he literally just... said that. He he literally <laughs> said, "I'm like a traffic cop." <laughs> so, you know what I where what that sort of 
leads me is, you know, I, I think about my own self, my, my, my first supervisory job in, in the contact center. Um, and, and I learned from, you know, my supervisor and the environment and I learned all of the, all of the uh, wrong things myself. I remember I would just go around the room every morning I would print all of their I had this green screen and you would hit enter and it'll generate this report <laughs> and I would I would take a highlighter right like you know this is how you were doing and I would distribute them right I would put one on your desk if you were doing great I will you know check mark and da 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 and I'll leave a little inspirational notes like uh, fix it <laughs> So I'm sure that was highly effective. And so what you had been doing is reading, reading books about third grade teachers <laughs> and, and how you, how you score people effectively as a third grade teacher. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, just fix it. Um, fix and, it. Like, that the was... one I like, let's talk about, let's talk about the one I said. So the one I like is when you walk over to a, to a, uh, an employee and you say, so Bob, your your talk time is really high. Right. I need you to work on that. <laughs> so so I I know you know this, but there's a couple of different ways you can work on that. <laughs> One is you can hang up on one out of every ten phone calls, <laughs> and your average talk time oh, will yeah. go down. Yeah. Secondly, oh, yeah. I'll tell you this one, and we probably don't want to send this one to the agents. You can unplug your headset <laughs> and act like somebody is on the phone is they can't hear you, so you hang up on them. Uh, you, you can you can oh hurry God. off of a phone call, right? Yeah, you yeah. Can, can shove like, them off, you can, as you I said. Manage yeah, your kinda... talk time if that's yeah. what you tell me to manage. Now, the reality is, is as a supervisor, I should sit down and say, so tell me, tell me how things are going. Tell me about your your uh, your calls. Let me listen to some calls, and let's listen to them together and find where you could use better call control. Uh, or where where you could help this customer differently in order to to not spend so much time on a call, but it's it's not about the metric. Yeah, and so I want to lean into that conversation a little bit and, and talk about you know I think about myself and you know I, I write about. You know, I, I, I wrote about this in my book uh, back in 2013, 2014. I, I tell the story from a perspective of one who I think I grew up in, in, the, in the wrong kinds of environment and had to unlearn, unlearn those behaviors. And, you know, like every new co- convert to a religion or whatever, I, <laughs> I got today i just lose it right like when i see those those kinds of those kinds of um attributes but i want to talk a little bit about uh that supervisor again and how to how to overcome it and where i'm going there is you know so you are you're listening to the show and you're in this environment where um, the reason these behaviors exist is because that's you know, um, all your manager ever talks to you about is your scorecard. And on that scorecard are these things. And then, um, you know, that exact same scorecard almost just gets cascaded down and down and down and down and down. And it's this 
old school management philosophy that says, you know, if someone is managing me on this, I'm going to hand it to you. And if all the way down this chain and eventually you will hit my number, which is, um, and, and, you know, an old way of doing things and frankly, an ineffective way of doing things over the long term. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about the the supervisor um, who is who is burdened with says you know Bob I hear you but like there's there's talk time there's handle time on my scorecard um, if I don't go tell Joe and Mary to fix it you know I, I'm gonna get a bad scorecard and what have you so how do you, how do you what advice do you give to people who sort of tell you that I'm try yeah I, I hear you but how do I how do I do this and keep my bosses happy? Yeah, the the thing about metrics in a contact center is, uh, I, I think we spend a lot of time telling, talking about what they are and and what they should not be, but we don't spend a lot of time training supervisors, and for that matter, explaining to agents what happens when you're what is what is the why why does it matter um but also what to do when things are high or low if if service if the number of agents on if if the number of calls in the into the call center are high what's what should i do to make that better uh if my talk time if if you have an agent with talk time that's really high, what do I do to make that better? So I, I don't think we spend enough time at the director level really explaining what metrics mean. And, you know, I, I, I remember the first time it was probably, I'd probably been in, in the call center industry for eight to 10 years before I first understood the concept of service levels and the concept of occupancy and the concept of uh, of, of really looking it through the lens of workforce management, what, what was happening. So another, another thing you should be reading about and understanding as a supervisor is what do these metrics really mean? But let's get to the agent piece. So I can walk over to an agent, as I said, and, and we were laughing about that. And I can say your talk time is high or your talk time is too low. And by the way, both of those are probably a problem. Right. But what I really need to do is to spend some time when I, when I see an indicator that somebody is in the outliers of those, I need to, first of all, I need to gather information. So do I know why their talk time is high or their talk time is low? Because probably the agent doesn't know why. Uh, Maybe they're a new agent and they're, and they're trying to overcompensate for problems for, for, the problem at hand and over talking to the customer. Um, but what I need to do is to gather information so that I can have a good conversation with, with, with the agent. Um, a buddy of mine and I, Scott Thomas came up with this idea in coaching called the YMCA method. And we could probably spend a, <laughs> a session talking about coaching in general here, but your thoughts, my thoughts, calibration and action. Um, and you know, if you're walking over to a person to talk to them about their talk time, the, f- the first thing is, is how are things going with your calls? Hmm. Right. Yep. You, 
I, I want to know what they think. Um, do they think they're good? Right. Because if they think they're good, then then my side of the story matters even more. If if they say to me, you know, I, I can't seem to find information. It seems like my talk I, I saw my talk time is a, is sort of high. Okay, so so now what they're doing is looking for answers. So opening the conversation with with your thoughts or, or their thoughts right. as a supervisor will do that. And then my thoughts, the YM, the, the the my thoughts, that's the reason why I needed to gather data and why why I needed to know what I'm talking about. So it, it seems when we when when you're on calls, here are three things that that you could do differently to reduce your talk time. Um, so let's listen to this call together. Um, one of the things I love to do with listening to calls with an agent side by side is I don't say anything. I say, so what do you think? And the agent typically will go, wow, I cut him off there and I did this and I probably shouldn't have been. So, so the problem is it's, it's about getting them to understand because the, the C is calibration. So if they thought their calls were really going well and they weren't, then they need to, they need to understand that if they thought their calls were going really bad and, and I thought they were pretty good, we need to calibrate. So the calibration and the action is when I walk away that we were in calibration, when I walk away, now I've started sort of the why again, because I'm expecting to see things get better. And if they don't, when I walk back to you again, we start back at why. So we talked last week about the way that you handle calls, not talk time, but the way that you're managing your calls. So let, let's, how do you think you're doing since we last talked? Right. So I just, I just flow into that same scenario, but you know, your question is a tough question that the reality is, is that as, as a supervisor, sometimes we focus on the metric, we focus on our scorecard. Yep. And, and so what we need to do is to understand what are the outliers of that scorecard what who's who's not who's affecting my scorecard um and, and then i'll challenge i'll challenge the directors um in the contact center why is talk time why is talk time so important in a contact center because i'll, I'll tell you that if if i have a really good knowledge well i, I <laughs> would good, i would say money bob <laughs> yeah, but but why is it why is that the focus? I thought we were talking. I thought we wanted to run a quality call center. <laughs> right. Right. So so I may have a person on my team that's spending an extra thirty seconds on every call, and you know what? They don't ever have a callback. You know why? Because they solve problems. Yes. Yes. So so this is not. I I, I just. I understand it's about money, and I get that, and I get that somebody is going to be a, a bean counter and start but start managing that. But I've also seen contact centers to, that focus on on something differently, and and what happens is as you focus on quality, you focus on call, you focus on the things that make a good call a call, right. then you will see your other metrics get better. Well, so to that point, let me let me share some perspective with you that, 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 I, that I, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about, which is so listen, I, I, I too, I went through the rigors and I, I, I worked for a, 
VC firm for many years, so I got a uh, a PhD in numbers, numbers, numbers in terms of managing <laughs> a business that way, like in in the most just ridiculous ways. But it was a good education. I'm not, um, you know, in that philosophy. But in any case, um, it forced me um, with the with the client to do a, you know how you know, sort of this, you know, total cost of interaction. Uh, and I still have that spreadsheet. Um, I think it, it, it was fascinating, right? So what it basically did was what you just said, but it, it did it in a very, very structured manner, right? So, you know, we used to make these arguments around, well, Joe's talk time is higher, but their FCR is lower. And then there was all this noise around the FCR. So what this thing attempted to do is to say, Let's portfolio manage at the supervisor level, right? Um, and then sort of, yeah, okay, let's even go just focus on costs, hard costs. And then you start tracking, you know, repeat calls, right? So, um, you know, your talk time is significantly lower, but you have a higher repeat call. So, so yeah, you're, you're shaving 30 seconds off of every call, but we take that call again twice. So <laughs> that's even a worse outcome. It brought all of those things into bear. It calculates the, it forces the company to say, is NPS or whatever worth something? If it's not, just say it now. But if it is, what do you think it's worth, right? Like, like is it 10 cents incremental? Like, it, it's, I had to go do this thing to force it into, because it was that kind of organization that if it wasn't, and the end product of it was a new metric that was too complicated to hand even to a supervisor, but it was meaningful to the bean counters, right? Um, in, in, in the same way as, you know, metrics like, you know, lifetime value of uh, LTV in, in the retail space. It was something like that, that so that they could look at and say, when they show you how great this rep or supervisor's team is, this is the real number you should look at. Uh, and I got to tell you, it was a game changer for them. So you now had a VC-ran company who said, "Oh, hell no! Um, handle time. We don't that. We can't look at that anymore because our eyes have opened to the fact that." But I couldn't make that jump by just telling them, "Also look at FCR." It had to be this thin, so that I could boil that agent down to a number, which is sad. But I, I had to sort of construct it and sort of walk through it. And then it, the, the light bulbs finally uh, uh, went on. But what it did was it, it, it then forced them to now start portfolio managing, which was a win for the supervisors. And I think it's a little bit of what you were seeing, saying, which is to say, do Bob supervisor, listen, you've got a team of 15. Like, here's what I'm looking to get out of you. You go portfolio manage your team. So you know that... Jenny talks a little bit longer and slower, but you know what? Um, no one ever calls back, and that's okay. So I'm going to let Jenny on my team have these kinds of numbers, and I'm not going to punish her for it because it's a net good for the business. So it's that level of sophistication that I think uh, is missing in, in, some, in some organizations that turns it into this blunt instrument. And listen, you know, I was telling you a story of me handing sheets to, to, to someone, um, you know, 20 some years ago it's happening today right? oh absolutely <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and, and even worse it's happening 
I'm emailing you and telling you that you need to you need to change. Right. Right. I, I didn't even I didn't even have I didn't even stop by your desk. I just emailed you. Yeah, I just sent you this this thing. So so to that end, what I would love to to you to talk about a little bit is to say I want to turn the the attention uh, really quickly to the managers and the directors. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I want you to talk about the lost opportunity um, in sort of focusing on that supervisor role and setting them up for, for more success. Um, be, be, because you and I both know that uh, the job doesn't need to be this this um, Herculean. Um, what, what advice would you have for you know, directors, managers who who lead these teams and say, you know, what, what things would you ask them to do differently? Um, because they're invested in in trying to make sure these guys are successful. But what what advice would you give them? So the first thing is uh, training and and uh, and leadership around what it means to be a manager. We. The, the contact center is notorious in general. It, it doesn't happen everywhere, but notorious about taking their best rep, their their best contact center rep, and making them a supervisor because they're the best rep, right? They they have the best scores, they have the best uh, <laughs> reviews. They they are the top rep. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Yeah. So I- <laughs> so I was the best rep on Tuesday. And on Wednesday afternoon, because now I have to work the night shift because of my new supervisor, um, I am now the most inexperienced and perhaps the worst supervisor on the floor because training was was a conversation or training was a couple of days. So and, and what happens is there's not enough. There's not typically enough supervisors promoted at the same time to have a classroom training. And so, and, and it happens where there's not any uh, corporate training. So the first thing I would say to a manager or a director about supervisors is how much time have you spent with them and how much time have you given them around training for being a, a, a good supervisor? Um, that session that you saw 13 years ago was through the lens of being a good supervisor, probably. I, yep. I don't remember the session specifically. Yep. yep. Uh, so at, at the manager level, I, I need to define for them what's important, right? Mm. You're right. If, I, if I'm saying that the only thing that matters in our call center is the, the metric scorecard, then they will do what humans do. They will go and try to fix the scorecard, try to make things happen on the scorecard. But if I if I talk to them about how do we how do we lead better, how do we uh, build relationships better, how do we understand our employees better, um, then then that will trickle down into what's important to them. Now I can't. I can't say those things and then only hold them responsible for their scorecard. I I have to make coaching and feedback and quality and relationships part of their scorecard. So how many, how many coaching sessions have you had this week? I, I can guarantee you when I was a supervisor, I could always find a reason not to go sit down with an employee and coach because 
there was always something on my desk that would take precedence. But the reality is that was by far <clears throat> the most important part of my day was right. the time I spent individually. So, so the say, so I'll, I'll challenge managers and supervisors. How much time are you spending on your call center floor? What do you know about your, about your supervisors? What kind of supervisors did you hire or did someone else hire and you inherit? What, what, where are they? What are they doing? So, um, often when I was a director, what I found is two times a day, I, I pat on my calendar, 30 minute time frames, and if possible, an hour to go and just do nothing but walk the floor because being on the floor, not only engaged me with the supervisor, with the agents, but it engaged me with supervisors. It let me see what was happening on the floor. It let me understand what customers were saying. It gave people a chance to, uh, to ask questions and to verify. So that after that, I was never more closer to the customer, to the supervisor, to the agent than after I walked back into my office, back into a meeting or back into some other part of my day than I was when I had spent 30 to 45 minutes to an hour out on the floor. Now, again, we can get into some details about how to be a leader. Right. Um, love John Maxwell. Love all the simplicity of John Maxwell that, that matters. Um, and, and maybe maybe we'll um, – in fact, let's do this. I'll I'll send you a couple of books, titles that I think would be good for a supervisor and a couple of good for a manager, and um, and you can add them below this podcast. Yeah, I I I think that will be that would be super beneficial. Um, you know one one other thing you you mentioned there that really that really resonated, you know, with me was that joy in spending time on the floor, right? Um, which goes to that point, right? Like I, I would, I remember as a director or VP, whatever, running a center, I always spent a lot of time with my supervisors because I, I used to say to the chagrin of my managers that I go, ah, you can get the manager position wrong, right? Because it's a little bit of a, um, someone who can coach coaches but if you get the supervisor wrong you're you're it's over uh you know and takes a while to recover but i i would always say to them that um how much time are you spending coaching right and they would all inevitably every time tell me all the administrative things that are in your way of coaching right and but that wasn't always true for all of them and what i found is I just look in my own personal life, right? We, we all don't have time for everything. But you know what I do every day, Bob? Like every single day, I write. Not anything that's ever going to be published to anyone. But it brings me joy, right? But like, so it's one of those things that's finding those leaders who naturally want to coach. Now, you have a responsibility to clear the way and take all of those but I also knew I had plenty of supervisors in the room who secretly loved the administrative stuff. They couldn't say it to me because they I, I, they knew where I stood, right? But they just, they liked that then. And it was the ones who liked the coaching deal who were in my office, who will find every excuse to miss meetings, would do everything because it brought them joy. So 
I think the ability to identify those folks who are naturally inclined, may not have the skills, but are naturally inclined and get joy out of that uh, is a key component to it because we, we, we all ultimately gravitate towards um, things that we enjoy. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think that goes back to what kind of supervisors are you hiring? Are you hiring the best rep or are you hiring the rep that may not have the best metrics, but is a natural leader among the, 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 the contact center? Right. So I, I may not be the best. I may not have the best metrics, but you can tell if you have a group of 15 people, there's somebody that stands out as a leader. They they just naturally help people. Uh, they just naturally are are inclined to be to be available to help other people. And they quietly change the atmosphere or the attitude. Those are the kind of people that that you want in that position so that they instill that in others and they just naturally are the right kind of leaders. Um, I, I also, again, back to that, to the, to the Connie Mm. method of Connie was the kind of person that everybody wanted to be on her team. Yep. Um, profile the people in your call center that are like that, understand what makes them different. And then, and then consider how to hire that kind of person uh, to, to spend some time with the people that you have hired talking about the attributes, not of that person. You, you, you don't necessarily want to call out Connie, but, but you want to talk. So if, if her attributes are spending, like you said, all that time coaching with her employees, right. that's, what we, that's what we're after. And she, loves, and she loves it, right? She's not yeah, – and, and I yeah. think I – think, you know, I think about me saying I didn't like coaching. What, what's crazy about that is if you ask me, Bob, what are the what's the, one of the best things about being in the contact center or being over the last 10 years of your of your career or the last 20 years of your career? Um, it's about seeing other people succeed. It's about seeing somebody that maybe was floundering a bit and they succeed. And so what's weird is we see coaching as something that's today, but in reality, coaching is about tomorrow. It's about three weeks from now. It's about six weeks from now when you're able to look back and say, we had this moment, we talked then, and now we're seeing the progression of the person to, 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 for them to get better. And, and that part of coaching is always wonderful. It's always great to go, Hey, look at John, you know, he was floundering and, now he's really doing well. That part's good, but that took the work to make that occur. Now, um, and let's uh, let's leave it there, Bob. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, as our regular guest. Um, and if you are, if you're just um, catching on, we've been, um, you know, having Bob Furness, um, a guy who's been in 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 this space for for a long time and today we we focused on on the people side specifically the supervisor and um and talked a little bit about the the manager as well so we will post uh bob's information and some of the links he's going to send us some of these books um that um he recommends frontline leaders and other leaders to to consume we'll put all of that um associated with this with this podcast so i want to thank bob again for coming on 
Uh, you've been listening to the curated experience, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much. It was, it was great to be here again. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Bob. And until next time, remember, the experience is either random or intentionally curated. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the curated experience with Amas Tanuma. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll join the conversation online by visiting us at curatedcx.com or at amastanuma.com. That's C-U-R-A-T-E-D-C-X dot com or A-M-A-S-T-E-N-U-M-A-H dot com. And please invite your friends and colleagues to visit our website or iTunes where they can check this and previous podcasts. This has been a Beyond LLC production. Check us next time for another edition of The Curated Experience.